Welcome to Hot Water Cornbread, Kentucky Food Radio, where we love cornbread. Do we? <laughs> we were just Rona. talking. Do we love cornbread? Rona does not love I'm, cornbread. I'm silent on this matter. <gasps> yes, that's a we're outing non-issue. Her as a cornbread not lover. <laughs> you must love cornbread. There are cornbreads in my life that I have loved. I know. As generic thing, no. It's usually too dry. <laughs> You are here on Lexington Community Radio, WLXULPFM, here in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> We're here every Tuesday at noon, Hot Water Cornbread Kentucky Food Radio, with your hosts, Rona Roberts and Weta Michael, and I'm Chris Michael. Hi, everyone. Welcome, Hi, listeners. <laughs> We're glad to have you. We're glad to be here, as we always are. And we like to start by reflecting Juicily <laughs> on something wonderful from the past week. And I, I feel like we're among the fortunate people in the whole world because I'm sure we have many things to choose from every week. But what did you choose this week, Weta Michael? Mine was very simple this week. Um, it's garlic season. Mm-hmm. Garlic, local garlic is curing. Mm-hmm. I had some beautiful local garlic. I unfortunately don't remember who the producer was because Donna procured it for me at the Frankfurt Farmer's Market. However, you can find it everywhere. Yes. All over the Lexington Farmer's Market. Let's just say Blue Moon. Blue Moon uh, is cut, my favorite. Cut the mold, made the mold on local garlic in there at the Lexington Farmer's Absolutely. Market. Absolutely. And we peeled it, uh, kept the whole, the cloves whole. And this is my favorite way to do roasted garlic. It's actually simmered garlic, not roasted mm. garlic. And you peel it, and then you just cover it in a little olive oil and bring it up to a simmer and let it simmer on a very low temperature until um, it's nice and it soft. Melts. Oh. And it is so delicious. Better than candy it is. in every and way. All the little um, juices come up to the top of the oil and caramelize, <gasps> and those are excellent, and the oil is excellent, and the garlic itself is just delicious. <sighs> it's great. Well, may I add on? Yes. A, a thing that we do, which has some of the same characteristics, but, but um, different taste. Years ago, we went to a party where there was the best little chunks of portobello mushroom on a, on a toothpick. This was not a fancy party. It's a homemade party. And these little chunks of portobello mushroom, we said, what did you do to this portobello mushroom? And they said, well, we cut up all the garlic in the house really fine and simmered it in olive oil for a long time. Then we squeezed a lime into the pan with all this mm. olive oil and garlic. Then we laid the portobello mushrooms in there and let them just collapse from low heat and turn them over once. And then we cut them up. And Steve and I do that when we need a lift. Mm, <laughs> when that's I need a to have good a lift party. right there, Rona Roberts. That is a good I, lift. I wanted to talk about exotics a little bit today in the middle of all of our localness. And I guess portobellos started out as exotic, although I think they're now grown in Kentucky in different places. Mm-hmm. In this so. neighborhood. In this neighborhood. <laughs> is it a secret? No. Who grows them? Oh, now I'm going to have to think about their names. Okay. But I buy 10 pounds at a time when they're doing them. Oh, wow. Mm. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. I'll check my email. And okay. See if I can come and name. so, Chris, are you ready to be num- second? Well, I guess. I think, uh, was that roasted garlic part of um, mm-hmm. a delicious dish that I yes. had that was made by my lovely wife? Mm-hmm. Oh, you lucky was, duck. Um, <laughs> you lucky, lucky duck. It was really a combination of a lot of simple ingredients, summer ingredients that came together into a marvelous, marvelous dish. It was a... Um, 
something that uh, Weta did for the, uh, the Dudley's restaurant on Short Street had uh, Debbie Long has been in business at Dudley's for 35 years. They had a Debbie shout out you. They had a, <laughs> they had a special uh, anniversary dinner last uh, weekend. And she invited a, a lot of chefs who got kind of got their start or had worked at Dudley's over the years to do a course. And we did um, had worked there in the 90s as yes. a sous chef. My first job in Lexington. And um, she made a salad, a roasted eggplant salad, mm-hmm. which included delicious roasted local eggplant, <laughs> some of the aforementioned garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, roasted peppers and uh, roasted baby candy onions. Oh, I want with, some of uh, that. With goat cheese and what and a vinaigrette, I guess. I, um, it was just a puree of basil on top. Basil puree, mm-hmm. just a puree of basil. And all those Ooh. elements, simple in their own rights, came together. Uh, it was just a beautiful, delicious. It's a deconstructed dish. muhammara. Kind of. Muhammara. Muhammara, which sounds like it might come it from like south of the border. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a great example of what you can do with summer vegetables. They're all just roasted, simply. Oh, yes. We charred and, uh, the eggplant. That's one thing that we're going to talk about today. And uh, So they were, all, they were all sliced. I mean, the eggplant was sliced thinly and tossed with mm-hmm. uh, roasted red peppers. And I mean, it was good. Well, thank you, my so darling. Good. So good. But that garlic really was... It was like a little surprise, because it wasn't all mixed together. There was like a little dollop of the roasted garlic in there, so you'd be eating, and then you'd get a little taste oh. of that roasted garlic, which was really intense and you know, delish. I had a salad at Dudley's one time. This was in the year 2010, in June. In the year 2000. In the year 2010, I went to Dudley's feeling sorry for myself for so- over something one morning, and I had, like at 11 o'clock, I had a... Um, a salad, a frisée salad with a local duck egg on top and some local pork lardon and a glass. This is how bad it was, whatever it was. I had a glass of Sauvignon Blanc and I, <laughs> probably the wine, I was so inspired by this food that was so superb that I started posting a post every day for 116 days about Kentucky food because it was 116 days till the World Equestrian Games started. Or till they finished, it was 100 days until they started that day. And downtown Lexington was all buzzing about that. But Dudley's, it's dangerous for me to eat there. It's a really wonderful institution. Mm -hmm, And 35 years under the same ownership, of continuous operation, well, with the, the exception of the move, is really an achievement for anyone, and especially a, a woman. I'll just yes. say that. I'm yes. very proud of Debbie, and I'm very proud of having been on her team there for three years. So, um, I, how many courses were there at this There were dinner? six courses, and we were all returns, so we had all worked there at one time. Um, I have to say that many of those young men worked for me over the years at different <laughs> restaurants after Dudley's. It's incestuous, the relationship, totally the restaurant is. world. Um, there's a generation of chefs that came out of Dudley's, uh, and it's a long generation, that's really impacted the food culture in Lexington. Abe and, Abe and Graham that own Winchell's, um, 
Abe Lansdale and Graham Waller, and Abe has a twin brother named Lanny, Lanny Lansdale. The three of them are sort of the triumvirate at Winchell's, and all three of them have worked for me over the years, and we all got to know each other initially at Dudley's. Um, John Schwader, who's currently at Dudley's, mm-hmm. but who's gone and come back and owned a restaurant named Mason's, and just a really great guy, a very accomplished chef, did one of the courses. Will Preston, who's the chef at the Blue Heron, uh, prepared a beautiful um, New York strip entree that was great. Eric Fowler, who went was the long was at Dudley's for a very long time as the chef, and then uh, retired to Idle Hour Country Club, and then retired from there to farming. So he's a chef turned <laughs> farmer, and he grew some of the elements for the dinner. And uh, Jonathan Searle, who we've had on the show, who's also a Dudley alum. Um, went to Dudley's after the move to Short Street, and he brought his sous chef, Noki, um, who's Filipino, oh, and it was just wonderful <gasps> to meet and the two of them. And they're at Lockbox. And they're at Lockbox, and they did the dessert, so it was fun. My chef from Brian Kendall. Oh, Kimmel. and Brian Kendall. I can't forget. His nickname is BK, and he is the chef for um, St. Joseph East and was at Midway University running their food service was also the chef at Roy and Nadine's was my chef de cuisine at Emmett's Brian has had a, he and I were sous chefs together for John Foster in 1994 at Dudley's at Dudley's oh wow yeah and so and just one more thing about Dudley's and that is that before it was cool before anyone was promoting before it was probably even considered to be a point in Dudley's favor they were buying from local growers oh yeah um, and I back mean, when the Burley Tobacco Cooperative first started its vegetable growing to cooperative and I think I would be willing to bet we could call Mac and Ann and they would say Debbie was one of their first wholesale uh, customers well and when De- Andy used to deliver to the kitchen when all Dudley's the time. was in Dudley Square there uh, the little chefs, we all used to walk down to down the, to the uh, farmer's market, which was just a block away on Broadway. <laughs> Chris, right. Chris Michael was their pastry chef there. That's right. He so is, he is credited like, with you know, killing the dessert tray. It was fun. And introducing <laughs> the dessert, dessert menu in the very best possible way. Did you invent the semifreddo dessert? No, no. That was John. That was uh, Chef John, John Foster. John, that was no, John? No, well, yeah, John Foster. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. I've interviewed far too long about Dudley's, but it's, it's, so, <laughs> well, it's, it's such a while. beloved it's institution. An it's it's so worthwhile to give I a shout out to. It is. It's one of the longest running restaurants in Lexington. I mean, there's others. Under continuous like, operation, I would say Columbia's American is a little older. Um, Columbia Steakhouse. Columbia Steakhouse is a lot Alfalfa older. Alfalfa is six But I'm not sure con- Columbia Steakhouse is under the same continuous operation. I think mm. they've been sold. Mm. So, Alfalfa has But two. now Merrick hasn't. So... Well, and so just to finish on Dudley's, it is in a beautiful space downtown on Short Street. Mm-hmm. It has three floors and an outdoor space and some 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 sidewalk seating if you want it, uh, very near the pavilion. And like every beloved food institution, farm, chef, restaurant, um, whatever, it needs patrons. So um, don't believe that it's got all it needs, but go there for lunch, go there for, for uh, dinner, That's and enjoy. That's really true. Yeah, it's true. Local duck there right now, too, on the menu. Local duck. Really delicious. Duck, duck. So my, mine is quick. I yes. had, it's so simple, kind of like your garlic, but I had sautéed shiitake mushrooms from mm. grown on oak logs at Oak Acres Farm in Springfield before they went into something else. But I really, that was all I really wanted, those sautéed shiitake mushrooms, and especially the stems, which are 
from fresh from fresh shiitakes are chewy um, in a really great way after a light saute and not not hard and dirty. Do you take the stems off? I do. I take them off separately. And saute them separately? I do. Because usually they tell you just to throw those away. I know. That's crazy. Leo Keen told me years ago, never throw away the stems. You can make broth out of them. That's right. If they're too hard, you set them up on top. I have a a little plate on top of my refrigerator. It's there all the time for a too hard mushroom stem. They go up there, they dry out. You grind them up and they thicken and enrich soups. I found the name of my neighborhood portobello producer. Austin. And the name of the little growing. They grow 10 pounds a week when they're growing. They're not growing right now. Uh Um, And they're AJ Portobellas. But we put them on the menu at Smithtown and whatever Smithtown can't use, we use at Holly Hill. And they're delicious. They're all raised right in this neighborhood on logs. All right. There you have it, people. You You can find whatever you need. That's local. That's That's very local. local. It's micro-local. Well, maybe we should... Take a break. <laughs> yes, and we should say what radio station we are on before we do that. We are on WLXULPFM in Lexington. We're so glad you're with us. We'll be back in a moment.
Tune in every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on WLXU 93.9 FM for Red Barn Radio, bringing you the best of traditional and Americana music produced right here in the great city of Lexington, Kentucky. If you're interested in coming to one of our performances, we begin at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays at the Lex Arts Performance Hall, located in Arts Place, 161 North Mill. For more information, you can find us on the web at redbarnradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you there soon. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hot Water Corn Bread. It's Tuesday. We're here for an hour talking about foods we love, foods we hope you'll join us in loving, and talking about the love of cooking. And in Wita's case, talking about really the backstory of some very familiar Kentucky ingredients grown easily in anybody's garden that sticks them out in the spring. Almost Um, like weeds. They're almost weeds. They really are. And yet so delicious and used in cuisines around the world, including Kentucky cuisine. So, Wida, what are we talking about? Well, we're, we've been doing sort of a series. We've done tomatoes this summer, and this week it's time for eggplants and peppers because we are awash in eggplants and peppers and tomatoes um, uh, this time of year. Um, so first, let's talk about the eggplant. Eggplants, also known as aubergine, aubergine in Europe, especially in Great Britain, and brinjal in um, Asian cooking and Indian cooking. Um, the eggplant was first cultivated in China. It's the fruit of a what we call nightshade. And nightshade is a poisonous fruit. So a lot of times people even today say, oh, it's a nightshade, I can't eat it. These are not the same variety of nightshade that uh, as an herb can make you sick. But potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, they're all part of the nightshade family. And some people do have a sensitivity to those. Um, They are full of all kinds of nutrients, lots of fiber, and they have some kinds of antioxidants, especially in some of the parts of the skin that are great free radicals and really nutritious for you, help you, help you maintain your cellular mm. structure and stay healthy. So in it, some, things, some things we make with eggplants and peppers, we, we skin them, but maybe we should reduce the number of things we... I don't love eggplant skin in dishes, but I think there are ways to have some eggplant skin in a dish uh-huh. and still enjoy it. And there are some applications where the eggplant skin is great and others where it isn't because okay. it can separate itself from the flesh really easily. Uh, yeah. Um, so let me give a couple of tips. So one of the issues for eggplant is it really, if you have time, it really is a good idea to just gently salt the slices of eggplant and press and I use just paper towels, so I'll put down a couple layers of paper towels, slice my eggplant, I'll just sprinkle it with a little bit of salt, put another sheet of paper towel or two on top, and then sometimes you can just put a book, if you're at home or if you're in the kitchen, a little pan. Uh, Sometimes just even a heavy skillet will do. You don't need a lot of weight, just Mm -hmm. enough to kind of press out some of the liquid. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're you're getting rid of some of the water and intensifying the flavor and drying the eggplant out a little bit. And that's especially important for things like eggplant parmesan, moussaka, things where you are sautéing and slicing a larger globe eggplant. That is pretty simple to do right there. I it's, didn't know it was so simple. Are you slicing, Wita, does it matter if you slice across the eggplant or lengthwise slices, or does it vary by dish? It varies by dish. I usually always slice and the size of the eggplant. Ah. If I'm using a large globe eggplant, the ones that look like a big... Um, 
almost like giant a, ostrich egg yeah, turn like purple. Egg. Exactly. Yeah. Then I'll slice across ways. And it also can depend upon the size of the dish that you're going in. Gotcha. So, um, either way. I've done it either way. Right. And, and there were studies done. <laughs> I know this seems like a crazy thing to study, but by Cook's Magazine and other magazines, um, that examined the flavor of dishes with pressed eggplant and unpressed eggplant, and mm. the consensus is pressing your eggplant really helps. You do need to make sure you're kind of wiping off the excess salt and moisture that accumulates on top of the eggplant. Mm. So mm. you pull off your heavy skillet, and you lift up your paper towels, you're going to see some brown liquid there. Mm. And just like wipe that off mm-hmm. and then proceed with the recipe. Um, I think another great way of working with large eggplants is to just take the whole big eggplant, poke it with a knife two times so it doesn't explode, pop it in a 350-degree oven on a sheet pan, and let it go for 45 minutes to an hour until it's completely soft. Ah, yes. Cool it till you can handle it. You don't have to put it in the fridge. Just let it sit out on the counter till you can touch it. Open cut it in half, open it up, and scoop out all the pulp. And that's uh, another application. I use that for all kinds of different recipes. Oh, my gosh. There's a famous Shaker Town recipe, an eggplant casserole that starts mm-hmm. out that way. I'd forgotten about it till this minute. I used to have a fixation on that recipe. I love that recipe, and it's, it's there, it is in the Shaker cookbook, and there is a wonderful Julia Child uh, eggplant souffle in the way Ooh, to cook, too. That's really, uh-huh. really good. And reminds me of that eggplant casserole. Uh-huh. They're both they're similar. They're cousins. Um, smaller eggplants, right now on the market, you'll see all kinds of little white eggplants, long, skinny, dark purple ones, long, skinny, light purple ones. Um, I love the smaller eggplants. The globe or the little, the little round ones can, can be full of seeds and they can be a little bit bitter. So you have to check those out. We'll talk about that in a minute. The longer eggplants that are a Japanese variety or an Asian variety, and my favorite way to do those is what Chris was referring to earlier from the Dudley's menu, is I turn on the gas burners in my stove, or you can use your grill. If Usually, um, if you have a gas grill outside, you can turn the burner on, or you can just turn the, the flame up high, and you're gonna cl- blister the outside of the skin until it's completely charred on all sides. For me, what I do is I just turn the burners up high, and I stick my eggplant right in the flame, and I just keep turning it. Uh-huh. And then you pull them to the side onto a tray and let them sit until they're cool enough for you to handle. Then pull the charred skin off, and some of the bits stay on. Mm-hmm. It gives the eggplant a really delicious, smoky flavor. I want to speak to that. Yeah. <laughs> because one of the things I liked best in the Philippines started out exactly that way. Mm. Um, and where I lived in the Philippines in Naga City, it was just called omelet. But it actually, in Tagalog, in the national language, it is called tortang talong. And it is, um, <laughs> mm. it is Japanese eggplant, and that's what they called it. Uh, roasted till it's charred, a little bit of the skin's peeled off, as you said, the most charred parts. Then very carefully they lay that on a plate and and flatten it with a fork. So Mm. it becomes a sort of a flat oval. Mm -hmm. Dip that in beaten egg and fry it. And that's breakfast. And it's just the best breakfast ever. So I I thought of that. um, That sounds fantastic to me. Oh, it's so good. It's so good, and I put it. I put a picture and a, a how-to on our uh, hot water cornbread Facebook, Facebook page. page. Yes, if you don't, if you feel uncomfortable charring over an open flame in that way, you can also just use a vegetable steamer and steam 
those smaller eggplants completely steam them soft. The sm- like, are you talking now? Are we to the, back to the little globes or the long skinny? The, the long skinny. The small mm-hmm. globes are not my favorite. Oh, because they're hard to work with. Because they're hard they don't to work taste with. Good. They're full of seeds. They uh-huh. can be bitter. Depends on the varietal, though. Uh-huh. There are some eggplant growers I really trust. Ann Bellstone is one of those. Uh-huh. You can count on each one of her small eggplants being really ready to go. I mean, because uh-huh. she's had so much experience over the years growing them. Uh-huh. Some producers, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure who, because I don't always know who's growing some of the right. eggplants that I'm getting in, um, have a tendency to let the smaller eggplants over mature, oh. and they can become pithy and so tough that you can't cook them in it in any method. Oh. So if you can put your finger on your eggplant after you've cooked it, and it feels rock hard. Don't eat that part. Put that in a flower arrangement. And sometimes they're just packed full of seeds. Those are females. They mm. have so many seeds, you just huh. don't want to eat them. So you have to... It's a trial and error process. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's a learning curve with eggplant, we're I saying. think a lot of times people can feel like eggplant can have a bitter flavor to them. And one of the things they might be surprised about with these long, skinny eggplants and some of these smaller varieties when you steam them or when you boil them even or when you char them is how mild they are, almost how potato-like in their consistency. Interesting. Um, and that might be some of the root of your Filipino dish, too, is it's the, the larger globe eggplants that we're going to talk about for eggplant parmesan are totally different in their flavor. They're we much more intense. With these little ones, can you um, – could you – Use your broiler in the stove? Yes, absolutely. To char the... In yes. A, yes, absolutely you can. Okay. And I just want to encourage people to do it the best way and the easiest way for them. Sure. Yeah. It, it, Rona? Yes. Do people still have broilers in their stove? <laughs> I have I one. I you may be dating yourself. <laughs> oh, please. Is that right? Stoves don't have broilers? Mine they, does. Now they have... Uh, most modern stoves, you know, you used to have the broiler that you pulled out on the bottom? Yes. Now you just put your stuff on the top shelf in the oven. Yeah, mine that mine's that like that. But but it does have a broil setting. Yeah. It's yeah. hot as fire. Yeah. 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 The broiler would work great. Okay. Um yeah, absolutely. All right. I am old fashioned, but that you know, I well, didn't realize I is it some old fashioned ways I don't even realize. I was just clarifying. <laughs> Because my yeah. mother used to have the broiler you pull out on the bottom. Yes, she had a beautiful double it was oven. Always on fire. Something in there was always on fire. Sounds <laughs> <we'll split. laughs> like my house. <laughs> one of the best ways. So once you have your eggplants charred, this is one of my favorite ways to eat eggplant, um, and it's peeled. And don't worry about having black bits on the charred eggplant. That's what makes it smoky. There are a few different things you can do with it. You can dress it in a Mediterranean style, which is what I did at Dudley's. And that's kind of a Turkish dish. You combine it with, you know, you can slow cook onions. You can roast eggplants over a char. You can Mm. char your, I mean, roast onions. You can char your onions over Mm. an open fire. Mm. And then chop them and combine them with the charred eggplant, roasted peppers, uh, roasted garlic, um, and lemon and olive oil and fresh basil and serve that as a salad. One of the ways we're going to be doing it this week uh, at Holly Hill is with lime juice and toasted rice and fish sauce and um, cilantro and mint and fried shallots. Sounds like we're going to Asia mostly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes a delicious Asian eggplant salad. Oh, it's yum. really, really, really Are good. The eggplant, so what is the shape of the eggplant in that salad? It's pulled. Pulled. So you peel the eggplant, and then you just are pulling it apart with your fingers into mm-hmm. chards. Mm-hmm. 
And if you cannot pull it apart, it's not done cooking. Uh-huh. So put it in the oven and let it go a little longer. There's nothing worse than squeaky, undercooked eggplant. It's so true. And most people, you're, you, the flesh should be completely tender and all full of give. You should be able to poke your finger right through it. If mm-hmm. you can't, it's not done. I did want to say, too, um, I love spicy eggplant in the Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they're deep frying that eggplant, mm-hmm. and I... I feel like it takes all the flavor away from mm-hmm. the other aromatics. Um, many, many times in the steaming of the eggplant dish, you don't peel your eggplant in that situation. You've got your long, skinny, dark, purple mm-hmm. eggplant. Mm-hmm. You just cut it into pieces. I use an oblique cut, um, and I might steam it. And then I create my spicy Chinese sauce on the side mm. and then fold the eggplant into that sauce. And it's just, it's even more delicious, and it's 10 billion times healthier for you. Right, because eggplant, for anyone who's ever played with it in in oil, eggplant is a sponge for oil. And so if if you fry chunks of eggplant before you make the the spicy Chinese dish, what you're basically getting is fried chunks of oil. Um, That's right. Yeah, and and there's better things well, than that to eat. You know, we talked at, uh, at the very beginning about how you could take the large eggplants and just pop them in your oven and roast them and, and mm-hmm. then take the pulp out. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing something like that, you they're perfect for baba ganoush, which is this eggplant mm. dish. You're just combining that in your food processor with tahini and lemon, a little garlic, and extra virgin olive oil, but you're controlling how much oil you're putting in there. Right. So you can put as little or as much as you like, and you can also substitute just some vegetable broth or a little chicken broth or something like that uh, for for the oil altogether if you want to go fat-free. So this is a dip, and it's uh, served at room temperature or a little bit chilled, so it's a cool thing to eat in the summer. It sort of reminds me of the Filipino dish you just talked about, although, I mean, in that situation, you're breading and frying this eggplant cake, but many, many recipes for baba ganoush use a fork to mash it up. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that you get the the proper texture. Yeah, and you could do that same thing you were talking about. You have your charred eggplant, and you're just mashing it up with your fork on a plate, then instead of breading it and frying it, drizzle it with olive oil, put um, toasted cumin seed and Greek yogurt and pomegranate seeds on the top with salt and lemon. Oh, that's let's a, go do that right after this. That's okay. a great <laughs> I know, do it's you, one of my favorite foods. I can't. I'm, I well, I know, don't you have one incredibly classic thing to talk about with eggplant, <laughs> which is maybe the one way... People who think they don't like eggplant will often still eat eggplant. That's true. I have two two recipes I love. Um, one is a very sentimental one. We'll close with it. But the the classic that um, Rona's talking about is eggplant parmesan. And a lot of times when you get it in a restaurant, many times it's a chain restaurant, and people forget the elegance boo, of this dish because they're they're dusting it and they're frying right. it, and so many you right. can't even see there's eggplant in there. Right. And then the the marinara sauce is overly sweet. I could go on and on about what's wrong with it. But this is how I make eggplant parmesan, and my favorite way to eat it. You do use the larger eggplant. I do peel my eggplant. I do press my eggplant. So we talked about that. Okay, peel and press. Dust in flour, saute in olive oil. And as you saute your slices, when they're nicely brown on each side, you move them to a little paper towel on a tray over there on the mm-hmm. side because you have to do several. Um, blanch, blanch a tomato and peel it, which we've talked about. Dip into hot water, into ice water. Peel the tomato, slice, and lay out. Pick basil leaves, 
sliced mozzarella, preferably fresh mozzarella cheese. Now that you have your eggplant fried and your tomatoes sliced and your cheese sliced, you layer eggplant, basil leaf, cheese, basil leaf, tomato, basil leaf, eggplant, mm. and just create, it doesn't have to be that precise, but you create these little stacks and then bake that. Mm. And, or you can do it casserole style and mm -hmm. lay all your eggplant slices out over the bottom of your casserole, mm -hmm. then do a layer of basil, then do a layer of cheese, then a layer of tomato and, and, and do the entire casserole. Mm. Um, that's very good, oh, I have to say. Yes. I mean, it's it's fabulous. We we try to keep every little pile separate in the restaurant so it's your own unique little eggplant parmesan. It's like a little eggplant sundae. Well, Sunday. and if you miss the crunchiness of the breadcrumbs, you can sprinkle a little breadcrumb on top. You can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can sprinkle a little Parmesan cheese on the top. Yeah. Um, I don't even serve it with pasta. I don't know. I've, I've always just uh, oh, serve it that good, way. Because it's like a lasagna, but it's made with... Mm -hmm. Slices of eggplant instead mm -hmm. of Which have been noodle. treated very respectfully. Yeah. I can tell you, too, that if you don't, if you want to do something interesting and not mozzarella, this is maybe too much information, use ricotta cheese. You mm. can use ricotta cheese as the cheese layer and just put a couple of egg yolks. If you have a one-pint container, put like three or four egg yolks in there and mix it up, and it creates what we call kind of like a Greek cheese custard like mm -hmm. you might use for moussaka, mm -hmm. which is really also yum. another delicious eggplant casserole style thing. But probably my most sentimental and, and favorite way of eating eggplant, and I don't go through, I haven't gone through a summer without eating eggplant caviar since I was probably 15 years old. And my mom used to make this every year for my birthday. Um, it's just a whole, you roast your eggplant whole like we talked about and get the pulp and roughly chop it. And I, I, uh, she would do a whole lot of real good olive oil and her real good olive oil came from the co-op and it wasn't any extra virgin. It was just that bulk olive oil that you get at the co-op. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stew your, um, stew like a good handful of chopped garlic, two tomatoes, two peppers, one big onion. And you chop all your, your peppers and onions up and you get them stewing down. You add your bulked eggplant and your garlic. And then you add your peeled and diced tomatoes. I should tell people that Weta is here rolling, keep, keeping her hand in motion I'm the stirring. whole time. She's stirring I'm cooking, and stirring. I'm right yes. And then you let all that stew down till it's a little bit jammy. We have a, a recipe there. And season it with salt. And then it's delicious. You, just, you can eat it hot or you can eat it cold. And she used to serve it on these little... Um, cocktail sized toast whole wheat toast that you get in the little loaf at the Kroger. Yeah. Uh, delicious. One of my all time favorite I can see that as things. a sandwich filling too. Oh it would be great. And yeah. it'd be great with goat cheese. Goat cheese and eggplant I think are delicious together. Well, those are all my those are my eggplant tales. Well, let's take a little break because we have another incredibly gorgeous. These are gorgeous vegetables we're talking about. We have another incredibly gorgeous vegetable to come after the break. I'm Rona Roberts. I'm here with Weta Michael, Chris Michael. We're at, we're at Hot Water Cornbread on WLXU LPFM Lexington, and we're so glad you're listening.
can't pronounce her name, but eggplant is her game. Lady sticks to me like white on rice. She never cooks the same way twice. Maybe it's the mushrooms. Maybe the tomatoes. Can't reveal her name, but eggplant is her game. When my baby cooks her eggplant, she don't read no book. She's got a geoconda kind of dirty look. When my baby cooks her eggplant, about 19 different ways. Sometimes I just have it raw with me. Lexington is a 10-day music festival in the heart of the famed bluegrass region of Kentucky. The 2016 festival will present 10 continuous days of events, traditional concerts, pop-up events, fundraisers, and more. It will feature a return of ensemble in residence Winsync, our core artists, as well as guest guitarist Jason Vio, 2015 Grammy Award winner, and composer in residence Avner Dorman. For more information, visit chambermusiclex.org. Seafood, one of Lexington's newest farm-to-table restaurants, is located at the corner of Jefferson and West 6th Street. Smithtown Seafood's menu is both familiar and creative, emphasizing local foods and old-fashioned Kentucky recipes in dishes such as beer cheese with West 6th Porter, wild-caught fried catfish, flavor-packed burgers, vegetarian and vegan specialties, salads and ethnic seafood dishes such as fish tacos and tilapia, Singapore, and much more. Smithtown makes everything on the menu from scratch and when 
whenever possible with local Kentucky raised ingredients. Smithtown Seafood is in the Weedham Michaels family of restaurants, which includes Holly Hill Inn and the Midway School Bakery in Midway, Wallace Station in Versailles, and Wendy Corner here in Lexington. For more information, you can call Smithtown Seafood at 859-303-4100 or you can check them out online at smithtownseafood.com. Lexington Community Radio thanks Smithtown Seafood for supporting Community Radio. Hey, that place sounds pretty good. Smithtown Seafood. We should try it out. <laughs> I like the Singapore yeah. salad and the oysters. You are on Hot Water Cornbread Kentucky Food Radio here on Lexington's Community Radio, WLXU LPFM. Also streaming, streaming live at LexingtonCommunityRadio.org. And you can see us on Facebook, Hot Water Cornbread, our fo- Facebook page, and also links to archived shows at SaveringKentucky.com. That's Rona Roberts' fabulous, fabulous blog oh, site. And I think you can buy is, things there, too. It is pretty too. fabulous, I have to say. Anyway, we're well, back. Well, we're talking about eggplant. Now we're talking about uh, peppers. Peppers. It's yeah. pepper season. So eggplant and peppers go hand in hand, along with a few other delicious summer vegetables. But they're super in season. All of our chilies and eggplants are in season right now. Bell peppers are super high in vitamin C and all the carotenoids and their nutrients. And peppers and tomatoes are on par with one another um, nutritionally and are a great source of antioxidants. And they are coming in in droves right now. So um, all the peppers should be turning red and orange and yellow as they see at this time of year and as we move into September. And I just think they're a fabulous addition to your diet. Um, I wanted to talk about a simple method for roasting peppers. We've been talking about charring eggplant. You can do the same thing with a pepper on an open fire. For most people, it's easiest to go into a really hot oven. And I just, we do loads of roasted peppers and we just do them in an extremely hot oven. We baste them in a little bit of olive oil, put them on a cookie sheet. I would say 400 to 450 degrees. You need to go at least 12 to 15 minutes. And once you feel like, um, the skin's a little bit blistered. You can put them in a bowl and cover them with saran wrap or put them in a Tupperware container and put the lid on um, and let them cool at room to room temperature until they're cool enough to handle. This steaming process helps separate the skin from the flesh of the pepper and makes them very easy to peel. Now, if you, some recipes do call for that smoky charred taste. Um, in that case, you're gonna wanna try to go onto your burner and you could use the burner on your grill or go onto your grill outside. Um, when you're peeling your peppers, after they're cool enough to handle and you begin to peel those peppers, try not to rinse them. Uh, rinsing the pepper uh, washes away all the like sort of sweet pepper juices and uh, they're not as flavorful if you rinse them. Try to use a little knife and scrape off bits of char or just get them peeled the best way you can with your hands. Um, after you've peeled your peppers, you can cut them into strips, put them in a little olive oil, add a clove of garlic, a leaf of basil, and they'll keep in your fridge for a few days in that way, and they're delicious to use. And the uses are immense. You can eat them on toast, you can put them with the roasted garlic, you can add a little cheese to them, you can throw them into pasta, you can put them on top of salad, and they're so much cheaper than buying the tiny little jars of roasted peppers in the grocery mm. store that cost five dollars better a, a, too oh yes they're so much better. it's hard to realize how much better they are till you try it 
I also wanted to mention that there are a couple of other super easy pepper dishes that you can make with without roasting and peeling peppers. Um, one is, I like to make these sweet pepper purees, and this is a two-part recipe. Um, first, you get your peppers, you wash them, and you cut them into chunks the best way you can. I like thick slices. Um, if I'm making a red pepper puree, I'll use all red peppers. Same with yellow or orange, etc. Um, you add a little bit of olive oil into a pot, put your large, large sliced peppers in there, add a little bit of white wine. I like to add a little sprig of thyme, and let them, and, and you can add a little shallot or garlic or onion if that suits, and let them cook until the peppers are super jammy and cooked down. You can add a little water or wine to the pot as they go if they don't feel soft enough. Once they're very, very soft, you can puree those in a blender or a food processor, and it's always good to put it through a little bit of a strainer just to make sure you get all the skin out. Uh, but it is a delicious to take then that, that um, pepper puree, and the classic one is a red pepper puree, add it to a bit of cream and you have a beautiful pasta sauce, add it to a bit of mayo, you have a great sauce for cold shrimp, poached lobster, or any kind of thing like that. Let's have that after after the program. I know, after, let's, so let's keep, I keep changing my menu, my order. And you can also <laughs> add your pepper purees to a bit of yogurt. You can freeze your puree, it will also hold in the fridge for definitely a few days. The other thing is, is like if you just love peppers and you don't want to go to take the trouble to get out your food processor, you don't have to use a puree. They're delicious cooked in just that way, just stewed with white wine and a little bit of garlic. That is a classic French preparation, an Italian mm. preparation, mm. and it's really, really good. Um, and the third recipe that I have for peppers that we use all the time that I love is called piperade. And this is from the area of the world that connects France to Spain along the Mediterranean Sea there. Um, so the best of two beautiful oh, food cultures. God, I know. <laughs> I've never been there, but I'll just tell you all, I travel in my mind through food. That's the way I travel. <laughs> um, you cut your peppers up, and I like to use slices, and you're going to stew them with onions, garlic, and a little bit of tomato. You can use a fresh, diced, peeled tomato, or you can use a little bit of tomato paste, a little bit of tomato sauce from a can, whatever you have time to do. Um, so you're heating up olive oil, add two peppers of any color, and they can be mixed, it can be green, uh, it can be green and red, whatever colors you want, uh, one onion, two cloves of garlic, and start stewing that in a quarter cup of olive oil. Let it stew down. Add a little bit of smoked paprika or spicy paprika and add your little bit of tomato um, and continue to stew. And when everything is nice and soft and brought together, uh, you can cool it. And that's just <coughs> delicious with grilled chicken. We do it with poached eggs. Mm. We, we do inside omelets, under poached eggs, that over fish, so good. on top of chicken, with lamb. You can't beat it. It goes with any multitude of things. So let's just say that from today's um, lessons from Chef Wida, one of the things we could take away, if you don't know where to start and you have summer vegetables, slow cooking in olive oil uh, with some garlic, with some onion, mm -hmm. a little bit of tomato, it's going to make anything wonderful. It really will, and it's also a real easy way to innovate Yes, uh, in your kitchen, and don't be afraid of making a wrong move. Because um, you probably won't. And, mm -hmm. and whatever you come up with, when it's soft and, and sort of um, all relaxed, 
that can go on pasta, for example, and supper. There it is, right there. You're it's done. done. Um, or I love these ideas about the poached eggs or a fried egg on top. And that's what's nice about the eggplant caviar, the piperad, the pepper purees. You can make them on a Saturday or a Sunday and then put them away in your refrigerator and eat them all week. Mm-hmm. They really work well as a what we call an aperi or an ingredient for other dishes with a you know, you could make a simple grilled cheese with pepperad and a slice of ham and I mean that's mm. it's gonna be pretty <laughs> dig on luxurious. You'll be tempted to open a restaurant when you do that. <laughs> um, I put a, a recipe on the hot water cornbread. Um, Facebook page also that is sorghum hot pepper relish. It's hot and, and sweet peppers delicious. mixed. It's I a really good relish. relish. It's not hard to really make. Good. It's from my cookbook Classic Kentucky Meals, but I adapted it a little bit and it's on um, it, I, I posted a link to it. So enjoy that. And Weta, um, in terms of spice, the food events that happen at the end of the summer and in the harvest season, which are just now, we're just really now coming into it. They spice up life in Kentucky every year, more so. Absolutely. So you've done a really nice collection. You want to tell us what they are? Well, the first one, I think, is this weekend, mm-hmm. and it's the Oak. It's called the Organization of... As Organic Association of Kentucky. Uh, from 12 to 4, um, I'm having a hard time seeing exactly where it is, but I'm on their Facebook page, Organic Association of Kentucky has mm-hmm. a Facebook page. It looks like they're having eight shifts this, su- this Saturday. This, it's in Louisville. Is it in Louisville? Mm-hmm. I think it may be in Shepherdsville. It's free admission. I don't really know what you pay for, but you must surely pay something to help this wonderful organization. Well, they, you buy tickets, and each ticket, each bite costs a ticket. So gotcha. Chef John Sanding and Chef Tyler McNabb are coming from our organization, from Holly Hill Inn and Smithtown Seafood, and I know they each have separate little dishes, and they've been paired with Farm. So they have a farming partner. Wonderful. It is a wonderful event. It reminds me of the old Harvest Festival. Yes, from it is back a lot the like day. the Harvest Festival. Yes. Yeah. So this says the little entry that I was able to find. Annie Petrie of Decca, that's in Louisville. And she's fantastic. I mean, and she's fantastic. so she's so lovely in this photo too. She's cooking. How do I say this, Wita? Bulgogi. Bulgogi. Bulgogi beef French fries with kimchi aioli using Elmwood Stock Farm certified organic beef on Saturday. That would be her dish. So check that out. That is going to be a delicious thing. And then right after that, we have the Appalachian Food Summit from September 16th to 18th. Um, the feast for that night is going to be for that for the Appalachian Food Summit is on the 17th. I'm going to be helping a wonderful chef named Travis Milton cook that dinner, uh, and I think we're going to invite Jonathan Searle to come and help us as well. And on the 16th, which is the Friday, Edward Lee is doing a dinner, um, and it's the um, uh, a cornbread. It's kind of it's got a cornbread theme, but it's all kinds of poetry and writings, and and Edward will be cooking for that. And that is a free event on Friday night, and then Saturday, I believe the feast there is a charge. But you can go online and find that. Just Google the Appalachian Food Summit. Um, There's like two tickets left as of this morning. Oh, really? For the dinner, <laughs> for I think you still get it. But yes, the dinner is selling out. Um, and then we have the sorghum <coughs> festivals are beginning. There's a one coming up in Springfield, Kentucky, September 30th through October 2nd. And just a shout out to our hometown Midway Fall Festival is September 16th through 18th as well. And Castle Rock sorghum's there, and you can buy all kinds of country rock. Country rock. Why do I say Castle Rock? Country rock sorghum is there. They'll be boiling down. They usually boil down at that festival. And we have a, several grist mills that come and grind cornmeal. Um, so it's a lovely 
little it's wonderful. fall festival. It, it feels so hot outside, it's hard to realize fall really is coming. I know. But I know that Country Rock plans to have um, a few gallons of this year's sorghum made by September 1, which is, must Yay. mean they must be cooking today. I'm sure they are, because they like to have it to sell in September. And then the last, I had a piece of good news that I haven't uh, told you yet, Rona, and that is that September... September 11th, I have been selected by the James Beard Foundation to do the Chef's Boot Camp for Food Policy oh. in Burlington, Vermont. So I'll be Yay. gone. Um, I will miss that show, but I'll do a big report when I get back. And I think it's all on food waste, I believe. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, how great. Well, that's marvelous. Well, w- give me some information that we can post, and we'll, we'll, we'll explain it. more about that to our we will do wonderful it. listeners and followers. We appreciate all of you, and we're glad that you spent time with us today. Just remember when you're working with your vegetables out of your garden, you must wash your vegetables, hands, and knives before and after cutting fresh vegetables, not just meats. Vegetables can cross-contaminate, too. And peeling your tomatoes is the best way to eat a safe tomato out of the garden. That's my food safety tip. All right. I've decided we need Weta music when she makes pronouncements. All right. She would have have a theme song. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right. Well, is that it? Anybody else have anything else today? I'm all in, Rona. What about you? Well, let's Good. do this thing that we found on the wall here, which wow. is... Um, oh, uh, oh, until September 31st... Uh, which is really the 30th, This is Chris's favorite oh, beer. September 31st. Yeah, there is no September 31st. <laughs> 30 is days. That's the September. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, West 6th Brewing's Pay It Forward Cocoa Porter. Uh, when you buy West 6th paid for Coco Porter uh, for each six pack sold 50 cents will come to Lexington Community Radio and that yay, will be matched yay, yay. by Clark Distributing Company the fine distributor that distributes and that's good West beer sixth. so every six pack one dollar will come to Lexington Community Radio and, uh, and that's all. not us, folks. We, we, it doesn't come to us. It comes, no, it comes to, to the for station. the equipment, the station, oh, yeah. the, and, um, the electrons, everything that's needed. To but we do this for the fun of it. Yes, we do it for love. And I think <laughs> that's if you love. buy it at the brewery, or I know, and I know they've partnered with Liquor Barn and Party Source, and I think there's some other retailers which I'm not quite sure of, but. At least those three places, the money will come to a good place, Lexington Community Radio. So drink and do well. Help us stay on the air. (laughs) All right. Yes. Well. Fun being with you, Chris and Rita. Wonderful to be with you, Rona. We'll see you all next week. All right. Bye-bye. All right.